This episode of the Orthobullets podcast will go over the topic of articular cartilage from the basic science section on orthobullets.com. We will first start our discussion of articular cartilage with a breakdown of the structural and functional components to know about articular cartilage. Then we will discuss cartilage wear, aging, findings in osteoarthritis, and finally a few points on cartilage healing. Articular cartilage is one of five forms of cartilage. The five forms of cartilage are hyaline or articular cartilage, fibroelastic cartilage, as is seen in the meniscus, fibrocartilage, which is seen at tendon and ligament insertions into bone, elastic cartilage, as is seen in the trachea, and physeal cartilage, which is seen at the growth plate. We will first discuss the composition and function of articular cartilage. Articular cartilage functions to decrease the friction and distribute loads. It exhibits stress shielding of the solid matrix components due to its high water content, the incompressibility of water, and the structural organization of proteoglycan and collagen molecules. Articular or hyaline cartilage is primarily composed of an extracellular matrix that is composed of water, collagen, and proteoglycans. 90% of the collagen in the extracellular matrix is type 2 collagen. Cells, namely chondrocytes, account for the remaining composition of articular cartilage. By percent weight, articular cartilage is comprised mostly of water, followed by collagen, then proteoglycans, then non-collagenous proteins, and finally cells. We will now delve a little further into the water, collagen, and proteoglycans that make up the extracellular matrix. Water makes up 65 to 80% of the mass of cartilage. Water is distributed differently throughout the depth of the cartilage, making up 80% of the weight near the surface and 65% at the deep zone. This water content decreases with normal aging, but increases with osteoarthritis. The increased water content in osteoarthritis leads to increased permeability, decreased strength, and a decreased young modulus of elasticity. Following water, the next most abundant component of the extracellular matrix to discuss is collagen which makes up 10 to 20% of the total mass of cartilage. Type 2 collagen accounts for 90 to 95% of the total collagen content. This collagen functions to provide a cartilaginous framework and tensile strength. Small amounts of types 5, 6, 9, 10, and 11 collagen are also present. Proteoglycans are the next most abundant component of cartilaginous extracellular matrix, making up 10 to 15%. These proteoglycans function to provide compressive strength and attract water. Agrican is most responsible for this hydrophilic behavior. Proteoglycans are produced by chondrocytes and are composed of GAG subunits, chondroitin sulfate and keratin sulfate. A small amount of non-collagenous proteins make up the rest of the extracellular matrix. The cells of the cartilage are the chondrocytes. These chondrocytes produce collagen, proteoglycans, and enzymes. These derive from chondroblasts that become trapped in lacunae and become chondrocytes. Chondrocyte metabolism responds to both mechanical and chemical stimuli. Mechanical stimuli include mechanical load and hydrostatic pressure change, while chemical stimuli include growth factors and cytokines. Immature cartilage also has stem cells, but mature cartilage does not. We'll now move on to discuss the layers of articular cartilage. Normal articular cartilage is composed of three zones and the tide mark. The zones are based on the shape of the chondrocytes and the orientation of the type 2 collagen. The zones of the articular cartilage include the superficial or tangential zone, the intermediate zone, 
and the deep or basal layer. The superficial zone is composed of type 2 collagen oriented parallel to the joint. This zone has flattened chondrocytes, condensed collagen fibers, and sparse proteoglycans. The superficial zone has the highest concentration of collagen and the lowest concentration of proteoglycans. This is the only zone in which articular cartilage progenitor cells have been found. Deep to the superficial zone is the intermediate zone, which is comprised of type 2 collagen in an oblique or random orientation. This is the thickest layer with round chondrocytes and abundant proteoglycan content. Deep to the intermediate zone is the deep or basal layer. This is comprised of type 2 collagen in a perpendicular orientation to the tide mark. The deep layer has the highest concentration of proteoglycans and round chondrocytes arranged in columns. The tide mark lies deep to the basal layer and separates the true articular cartilage from the deeper cartilage that is a remnant of the cartilage onlage which participated in endochondral ossification during longitudinal growth in childhood. The tide mark separates the superficial uncalcified cartilage from the deeper calcified cartilage and acts as a division between nutritional sources for the chondrocytes. The tide mark is only found in joints, most prominently in the adult non-growing joint. Subchondral bone lies deep to the tide mark. Various growth factors are relevant to discuss when discussing articular cartilage, namely platelet-derived growth factor or PDGF, transforming growth factor beta or TGF beta, basic fibroblastic growth factor, or BFGF, and insulin growth factor 1, or IGF-1. PDGF is thought to be involved with the healing of articular cartilage lacerations. These effects are extrapolated from the effects seen with PRP, which contains PDGF. No adverse effects are seen in normal joints. TGF-beta stimulates synthesis of proteoglycan and extracellular matrix, while decreasing the catabolic activity of interleukin-1 and matrix metalloproteinases which lead to synovial proliferation and fibrosis and induce osteophyte formation. BFGF stimulates DNA synthesis in articular chondrocytes. And finally, IGF-1 stimulates DNA and cartilage matrix synthesis in adult articular cartilage and stimulates synthesis of extracellular matrix. This decreases synovial thickening and chronic synovial inflammation. Its effects are additive when combined with TGF-beta. We will now briefly discuss the nourishment and metabolism of articular cartilage. Articular cartilage is avascular and is nourished by two different sources, the synovial fluid at the surface and the subchondral bone at the base. Cartilage relies on glycolysis for ATP production. Moving on to discuss mechanical stress response in cartilage, we will discuss physiologic stress, excess stress, cellular responses, and repetitive loading. Physiologic stress stimulates matrix synthesis and inhibits chondrolysis. This is exemplified by cyclic stresses represented at 1 to 5 megapascals at a moderate frequency of 0.1 to 1 hertz, at a low rate of less than 1,000 megapascals per second. Excess stress suppresses matrix synthesis and promotes chondrolysis. This excess stress is seen at greater than 5 megapascals, a static load with a frequency less than 0.01 Hz, and at high rates greater than 1,000 megapascals per second. The cellular responses to these stresses are facilitated by primary cilia, 
which act as a mechanosensory organ on chondrocytes and osteoblasts. These cellular responses include the transduction of mechanical signals involving integrins. Repetitive loading, as is seen in moderate running, increases cartilage thickness and proteoglycan content. However, strenuous loading leads to cartilage thinning and proteoglycan loss. Similarly, in immobilization we see cartilage thinning, softening, and proteoglycan loss. Moving on to discuss cartilage wear mechanics, we must first discuss various forms of lubrication, which include elastohydrodynamic lubrication, boundary lubrication, boosted or fluid entrapment lubrication, hydrodynamic lubrication, and weeping lubrication. Elastohydrodynamic lubrication is the main mechanism of lubrication during dynamic joint function. This involves the elastic deformation of articular surfaces and thin films of lubricant that separate the surfaces. A fully congruent joint will not allow a fluid film to form. Boundary lubrication, or the slippery surfaces, are the next mechanism of lubrication to discuss. The bearing surfaces are non-deformable and lubricant only partially separates surfaces. Proteins in the superficial zone of the cartilage have a role in this lubrication mechanism. The boosted or fluid entrapment mechanism of lubrication is based on the concentration of lubricating fluid in pools. Fluid becomes trapped by regions of the bearing surface that are not making contact. Next, hydrodynamic lubrication is the effect of fluid separating surfaces when one surface is sliding on the other. And finally, weeping lubrication, which is the result of fluid shifting out of articular cartilage in response to an applied load. This aids in surfaces remaining separated by hydrostatic pressure. There are five main mechanisms of wear of articular cartilage. Adhesion, abrasion, transfer, fatigue, and third body wear. Articular cartilage wear is more thoroughly discussed in other sections on orthobullets. We will now move on to discuss normal aging in articular cartilage. With age, Changes in articular cartilage include increases in chondrocyte size, protein content, stiffness, which is the result of passive glycation that leads to increased collagen stiffness, and an increase in the ratio of proteoglycan keratin sulfate to chondroitin sulfate. In normal cartilage aging, we see a decrease in the absolute number of cells, water content, solubility, proteoglycan size, and elasticity. The cartilage becomes hypocellular despite the fact that individual chondrocytes are increasing in size. And it is important to note the decrease in water content as that differentiates it from osteoarthritis where water content actually increases. In aging, advanced glycosylation end products, or AGEs, form from spontaneous non-enzymatic glycation of proteins when sugars such as glucose, fructose, and ribose react with lysine or arginine residues. These AGEs accumulate over time because of the low turnover of articular cartilage. This accumulation of AGEs has been thought to play a role in the development of osteoarthritis of the knee and ankle. The effects of AGE formation include the cross-linking of type 2 collagen molecules which increases the stiffness and brittleness of collagen, increasing susceptibility to fatigue failure. Next, we will move on to discuss some of the important differences seen between physiologic aging and osteoarthritis. We will compare them by changes in water content, modulus of elasticity or stiffness, 
number of chondrocytes, and the concentration of glycosaminoglycans, proteoglycans, collagen, and advanced glycosylation end products. In normal aging, water content is decreased, whereas in osteoarthritis, water content is increased. The modulus of elasticity, or stiffness, is increased in normal aging, becoming less elastic as compared to in osteoarthritis, where stiffness decreases and the cartilage becomes more elastic. In normal aging, there are fewer chondrocytes, but the chondrocytes are increased in size. In the later stages of osteoarthritis, chondrocytes cluster. Glycosaminoglycan, proteoglycan, collagen, and AGE content are all increased in normal aging, with variable effects seen in osteoarthritis. In aging, glycosaminoglycan content changes as is seen in an increased keratin sulfate to chondroitin 4 sulfate ratio, but constant chondroitin 6 sulfate concentration. Whereas in osteoarthritis, the inverse is true and there is an increased chondroitin 4 sulfate to keratin sulfate ratio. Regarding proteoglycans in aging, there is an increase in decorin and a decrease in proteoglycan size, whereas in osteoarthritis, proteoglycans become unbound from the hyaluronate. With respect to collagen content, in normal aging there is increased collagen crosslinking and the collagen becomes more brittle. In osteoarthritis, however, collagen becomes more disorganized due to an increase in collagenase. Lastly, advanced glycosylation end products are increased in normal aging. And with respect to osteoarthritis, it is thought that the accumulation of AGEs leads to OA of the knee and ankle. Briefly contrasting these effects to the effects of an intraarticular injury, following an intraarticular fracture, there is mechanical disruption of the cartilage and cartilage necrosis. In addition, inflammatory cytokines are released, which contribute to articular damage and the eventual development of post-traumatic arthritis. The cytokines include IL-1-beta, TNF-alpha, nitric oxide, matrix metalloproteinases, agricans, and damage-associated molecular patterns. We will finally discuss healing in articular cartilage as it pertains to deep and superficial lacerations. Deep lacerations go through the tide mark and penetrate subchondral bone. In these, fibrocartilaginous healing is seen. Fibrocartilage is produced by undifferentiated bone marrow mesenchymal stem cells. A healing response is initiated with hematoma formation followed by stem cell migration and vascular ingrowth. This response produces type 1 collagen and results in fibrocartilage rather than the desired hyaline cartilage as is produced by chondrocytes. This repair cartilage has diminished resiliency, stiffness, poor wear characteristics, and the predilection for arthritis. Superficial lacerations are not through the tide mark and lead to chondrocyte proliferation, but no healing takes place because of the avascular nature of cartilage. Other relevant clinical conditions to be aware of pertaining to the articular cartilage include articular cartilage defects of the knee and adults, and osteochondritis desiccans. Now that we've gotten a general overview of this topic, let's review a few questions to see how this material has been tested in the past. Question 1. The superficial layer of articular cartilage is characterized by which of the following? 1. High collagen and proteoglycan content. 2. Low collagen and proteoglycan content. 3. High collagen and low proteoglycan content. 4. 
low collagen and high proteoglycan content, or five, intermediate amounts of both collagen and proteoglycan. The correct answer is three, high collagen and low proteoglycan content. The superficial zone of articular cartilage has the highest concentration of collagen and the lowest content of proteoglycans relative to the other zones. Normal articular cartilage can be divided into three zones and the tide mark based on the shape of the chondrocytes and the orientation of the type 2 collagen. The zones, in order from closest to the joint surface, are the superficial zone, intermediate or transitional zone, and the deep or basal zone. The superficial zone has the highest concentration of collagen and the lowest content of proteoglycans of all the zones. In contrast, the deep zone has the lowest concentration of collagen and the highest content of proteoglycans. The intermediate zone has amounts of collagen and proteoglycans that reside between those found in the superficial and deep zones. Ulrich Winther et al. reviewed the biology of articular cartilage. They noted three distinct zones of articular cartilage that are separated from the subchondral bone by the tide mark. The authors noted that tissue engineering approaches are being used in an effort to regenerate damaged articular cartilage due to injury or aging. Jeffrey et al. studied the three-dimensional architecture of bovine articular cartilage with scanning electron microscopy. They noted the collagen was ordered in different morphologies in each zone of articular cartilage. The authors concluded that the three-dimensional organization of collagen is important when considering cartilage structure and function. To briefly review the incorrect answers, answer 1, a high collagen and proteoglycan content, and answer 2, low collagen and proteoglycan content, do not describe any zones of the articular cartilage. Answer 4, a low collagen and high proteoglycan content, describes the deep zone of articular cartilage. And finally, answer 5, intermediate amounts of both collagen and proteoglycan describes the intermediate or transitional zone of cartilage. Question 2. An increase in advanced glycation end products, or AGEs, is characteristic of which of the following clinical conditions and results in which pathologic process? 1. Increased AGEs are characteristic of unresurfaced patellar cartilage after total knee arthroplasty and results in articular cartilage thinning. 2. Increased AGEs are characteristic of rheumatoid arthritis and result in synovial thickening. 3. Increased AGEs are characteristic of hemarthrosis and result in articular cartilage staining. 4. Increased AGEs are characteristic of aging articular cartilage and result in increased articular cartilage stiffness. Or 5. Increased AGEs are characteristic of osteoarthritis and result in decreased articular cartilage stiffness. The correct answer is 4. Increased AGEs are characteristic of aging articular cartilage and result in increased articular cartilage stiffness. Advanced glycation end products, or AGEs, cause excessive cross-linking of collagen in aging articular cartilage. As a result, the stiffness is increased. AGEs are produced by spontaneous non-enzymatic glycation of proteins when sugars such as glucose, fructose, and ribose react with lysine or arginine residues, and the most abundant matrix protein in cartilage is type 2 collagen. 
AGEs cause changes to the aging cartilage matrix and the aging chondrocyte. The increased cross-linking of type 2 collagen results in an increase in cartilage stiffness, i.e. an increase in the modulus of elasticity, and an increase in brittleness, i.e. less strain is needed to go from the yield point to the fracture point on the stress-strain curve. As a result of the change in the aging cartilage's biomechanical properties, it is susceptible to fatigue failure. Additionally, AGEs decrease the anabolic response of chondrocytes from autocrine signaling via TGF-beta, IGF-1, BMP-7, and OP-1. These two initial mechanisms contribute to aging cartilage and eventually to the development of osteoarthritis. Lee et al. reviewed age-related changes in cartilage and seek to define the different mechanisms between aging cartilage and osteoarthritis. They state that with AGEs, there is excessive collagen cross-linking, increasing cartilage stiffness, while shortening and degradation of agrican leads to the loss of sugar side chains and water binding ability. Additionally, increased levels of AGEs are associated with a decline in anabolic activity. They state that these changes to the cartilage make it more vulnerable to damage and therefore the onset of osteoarthritis. This is in contrast to the initial steps of the mechanism of osteoarthritis, which is characterized by cell proliferation, formation of chondrocyte clusters, increased synthesis of irregular cartilage matrix, and eventually a pro-catabolic and pro-inflammatory state that results in an imbalance in cartilage homeostasis and cartilage matrix breakdown. Anderson et al. reviewed the relationship between osteoarthritis and aging. They state that knee cartilage thins with aging, especially on the femoral and patellar sides, suggesting a gradual loss of cartilage matrix. AGE's formation leads to modification of type 2 collagen by cross-linking of collagen molecules, increasing the stiffness and brittleness, and increasing susceptibility to fatigue failure. Furthermore, they describe the senescent phenotype of the chondrocyte and its similarities with osteoarthritis and the osteochondritic chondrocyte phenotype. To review the incorrect answers, answer 1, increased AGEs are characteristic of unresurfaced patellar cartilage after total knee arthroplasty and result in articular cartilage thinning. This is incorrect because unresurfaced patellar cartilage will show similar changes to the other compartments prior to resurfacing. Cartilage thinning is the result of a loss of cartilage matrix rather than the accumulation of AGEs. Answer 2. Increased AGEs are characteristic of rheumatoid arthritis and result in synovial thickening is incorrect as AGEs are characteristic of aging cartilage rather than RA, and it is found in articular cartilage rather than the synovium. Answer 3. Increased AGEs are characteristic of hemarthrosis and results in articular cartilage staining is incorrect as AGEs are not characteristic of hemarthrosis and do not result in cartilage staining. And finally, answer 5. Increased AGEs are characteristic of osteoarthritis and result in decreased articular cartilage stiffness is incorrect, as AGEs are found in aging cartilage, not in osteoarthritis. An increase in AGEs in aging cartilage increases the stiffness of the cartilage. Last question. A researcher studies growth factors that have positive effects on cartilage healing. In vivo and in vitro experiments are performed with growth factor A. The properties of growth factor A include 1. It is the most widely investigated growth factor in cartilage repair. 2. It increases extracellular matrix synthesis in cartilage and mesenchymal stem cells. And 3. 
it also triggers synovial proliferation and fibrosis. Which of the following is most likely to be growth factor A? 1. Interleukin 1, or IL-1. 2. Tumor necrosis factor alpha, or TNF-alpha. 3. Fibroblast growth factor, or FGF. 4. Transforming growth factor beta-1, or TGF-beta-1. Or 5. Platelet-derived growth factor, or PDGF. The correct answer is 4. Transforming growth factor beta-1, or TGF-beta-1. TGF-beta-1 stimulates the synthesis of extracellular matrix, or ECM, and causes synovial proliferation and fibrosis. TGF-beta is the most thoroughly investigated member of the TGF-beta superfamily. This also includes TGF-beta-1, BMP-2, and BMP-7. Besides the above activities, TGF-beta-1 also stimulates chondrocyte synthetic activity and decreases the catabolic activity of IL-1. Fortier et al. reviewed the role of growth factors in cartilage repair and modification of osteoarthritis. They found that members of the TGF-beta superfamily, FGF family, IGF-1, and PDGF have all been investigated as possible treatment augments in the management of chondral injuries and early arthritis. They concluded that more research was necessary before routine application. Reviewing the incorrect answers, answer 1, IL-1, is incorrect because IL-1 is catabolic and leads to cartilage breakdown rather than synthesis. Answer 2, TNF-alpha, is incorrect as TNF-alpha is a pro-inflammatory cytokine. It does not lead to cartilage synthesis. Answer 3 is incorrect because although FGF2 does increase proteoglycan synthesis and cell proliferation, it also increases inflammation and osteophyte formation and does not aid in the healing of articular cartilage defects. FGF18 is less well studied. And finally, answer 5, PDGF, is incorrect as PDGF has no adverse or positive effects on cartilage when used in vivo. Much evidence of its role is extrapolated from the effects of PRP. That is all for this review on articular cartilage. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com. And in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.